cup coffee in here, please. You're listening to the Hoffy Coffee Cast with Reese Bolton and Reese Jones. Come on, get some coffee. Want some coffee? Okay, this guy needs coffee and cooler stack. Damn good coffee and hot. How was your um, how's your week going? It's been really good. Yeah. It's um we had like this like a retirement party for someone uh, working in my office, so we had like really fancy like afternoon tea on Friday. So that was that was quite uh, quite nice. I've had um, af- afternoon tea in like years. Yeah. It, it's um it's very like a lot of like sweet stuff, you know, there's a lot of like yeah. cakes, cakes yeah. and um, millionaire shortbreads and all, all that kind of jazz and by the end, I was just like, I had like a massive like sugar like dump, you know, like when you have like a massive sort of like sugar rush, yeah, and like dumps. Oh my god, yeah, like yeah. um, they always have Mr. Kipling cakes, and I do love, yeah, Mr. that's Kipling it, cake. yeah, yeah. But when I go into a shop and see Mr. Kipling cakes, I'm like, oh god, it's so expensive, oh god, it's yeah, like, it's, it's, like, um, it's, it's like two pound fifty or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh geez, yeah. no. It um yeah it was quite expensive, but um it was it was worth it. I think you know obviously sending off like one of uh, um. That my colleagues but um yes it's been good like how um i mean i think i think you've had a very like relaxing week i guess you've had yes. better weather than me so obviously like we were planning to do um case of conspiracy last week to record about the patsy conspiracy and then um basically um my parents were like oh we're going away for a week in this um villa in uh, southern spain do you want to come along and i was like well i'm i'm, I'm going i'm basically i'm going back to work um beginning of February. So I thought hey, I am gonna be gone away for a while. So I basically went went there. So I spent um some lovely, lovely uh <laughs> days in the Spanish January weather. But obviously it's not supposed to be the Jan um it's not um always that hot if you think about it, because it's it's usually still like it's still winter out there. It's just a bit the winter's a bit less pissing down rain and cold and more kind of like <laughs> humid but also kind of nice like cool like hot as well so um it was really really nice um i i i caught up on the i caught i'm uh caught up on reading your book as i say yes i'm reading your book currently right now um and um just chilling really um but yeah that's it really so i thought you know it was like um we were i wanted to um Go on to the next episode anyway of the podcast. So we'll be recovering uh, Pats Conspiracy later down the road. Uh, we usually, if any like kind of episodes we plan to do where we don't cover because obviously something's come up and stuff, we do put in like kind of like a backbone. And then when we get like a spare like week or something, uh, we put it on there. So uh, and it, so we will be coming back to Case Conspiracy uh, uh, very soon. But uh, today, actually, um, we are going to be uh, covering uh, our um, the first instalment of the Planet of the Apes uh, reboot trilogy. So uh, this was um, the King of Planet of the Apes uh, is the newest instalment coming out uh, sometime. It's, I think it's like May, beginning of May uh, this year. And so we thought, hey, let's just like get ourselves like hyped up for that and go back to review. Um, the Planet Reboot Trilogy. We're not talking about the, the original series that started with uh, Charlton Heston's 1968 Planet Apes. We're talking about the Andy Serkis uh, Caesar Trilogy, yes. uh, which is kind of like, 
it's a reboot, but also like a prequel to the Planet of the Apes. And pretty much, yeah. like, so we're going to be covering Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, so the first one we'll be covering is uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and then next week we'll be covering Dawn for the Planet of the Apes as well. Uh, and actually, I was really, I'm really looking forward to talking about these because they're, it's, it's a, they're very distinctive, like, and they have some of the best storytelling um, mm. in, like, a blockbuster kind of like films in like a long time, like really, really, like really, really. I'm, I'm like, like the Rise of Planet X is it's good, but when it, when it comes to Dawn of Planet X and Matt Reeves take the helm, those things really, really kick off. Um, but I can't wait to talk about this because uh, I mean, I haven't watched Plan- Rise of Planet X in years, um, mm, yeah, but it's gonna be interesting seeing where like how Kingdom Planet X goes forward. Um, is it going to be like the kind of same kind of like, you know, like is this going to be the same type of filmmaking as it was in this, in this trilogy? Um, uh, we never know. But yeah. it does about. seem more adventure based, whereas this is more like sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. More like adventure, like fancy adventures. But I guess you know, like fantasy and and sci-fi have always been like two sides of the but, same. Yeah, coin. this is not hard sci-fi. This is very <laughs> like. This is dystopian sci-fi, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, um, and it's like dystopian, and and I guess like in the same vein yeah. as like the, the original, like even like by the film, isn't it? By um, I guess isn't it? Sorry, the film, the um, the original book, you know, like Pierre Bruy, I think. Yeah, I think Pierre that's how you pronounce Brie, it. Yeah, yeah, it's more like um, speculative fiction in sort of like you know, um, like not not pol- political, but it's very like sort of like um, it it um. Uh, it sort of explores social aspects, you know, especially with stuff like you know animal rights, and especially like um, with the original films, you know, like like race, you know, and and, and like stuff like that. But um, I think, yeah, like adventure. Sorry, um, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes does look very fun. Um, yeah. And I'm always a fan of like you know like Kevin Durand is in it playing like the the new like ape king, this new Caesar character. So yeah, that'd be quite fun to see. Um, and obviously seeing like the progression of like the apes, you know, like from, because obviously like we see them in like this as very, very like primitive, you know, intelligent, but in a primitive state you know, and, and them learning now um, to become more technologically advanced um, in like the, the, the amidst the destruction of the old world. And it's, um it's par for course of like this new sort of like dystopia genre of like a green apocalypse. Are you, are you familiar with like a, a green apocalypse? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very much like apocalypses in terms of like it's climate friendly. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because like especially with stuff like The Last of Us or um, oh, was it is it like um Station Station Nine or something like that? There was like Station, a mini series. Station Eleven. Station Eleven. Yeah, I've yeah. not I've not seen that. I view it as quite good. I haven't seen it myself, but um, it's it's part of like, part of like this um this new, you know, like saying like the apocalypse you know like obviously it'd be bad because it kills us all but um uh the earth is essentially sort of like rejuvenated because we're not here to kill her anymore but yeah. um yeah and obviously coming back on track with like the, the apes um i i had a bit of like an existential crisis like re-watching this and, and i have started re-watching dawn of the planet of the apes as well and i s- had to sit back and just think like this is really scary you know like the idea that um we're so confident and arrogant in our position as like the apex species, you know, like the the dominant species on the, on this earth, that it's suddenly very scary um, 
and and uh, like the existential dread you feel if you consider that there's another um species that that might replace us yeah um, um yeah I mean, it's it's very yeah. scary oh well, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. um so uh, of course you can find us on instagram.com slash cast facebook at the cast uh, we're on x following known as twitter at the cast you can also email us to hobbycovercast at gmail.com uh please like share uh and please like share follow and review if you enjoyed this episode uh, right, so um, uh, let's go straight Drake and talk about Planet uh, Plan the Apes. So it's directed by Rupert White, who has um, directed films like The Escapist, The Gambler, and uh, the t- a couple of episodes of the Apple TV show The Mosquito Coast, which is the kind of remake of The Mosquito Coast with Harrison Ford back from the 80s, I think. Um, it's written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, who wrote the screenplays for Avatar The Way of Water, mm. Dawn of Planet of the Apes, and Jurassic World. The cinematography is by Andrew Lesney, who has done uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, The Hobbit trilogy, and I Am Legend. Uh, the music's by Patrick Doyle, who's done yeah. uh, great scores like Four, Hypot, and Goblet of Fire, and Aragon. Uh, it's based on the Planet of the Apes by uh, Pierre Boulou. And in French, it's La Planète des Singes. Yeah. Uh, I hope my French was good. Uh, it's like James Franco, Frida Pinto, John Lithgow, Brian Cox, Tom Felton, David Oyelowo, uh, um, Andy Serkis, Karen Canovo, Terry Nortry, Richard Brydens, Devlin Dalton, and Christopher Gordon. Right, so um, this is pretty much... Um, so, uh, we'll talk about what you were saying as well, because I, yeah. I think that's one of the big themes really of this show is kind of like playing God and kind yes. of the next stage of human evolution and, yeah. uh, you know, survival. Uh, so, obviously, uh, the last installment of the Planet of the Apes was the Tim Burton remake of the Planet of the Apes, which mm, yeah. was trying to bring Planet of the Apes for a new generation. Yeah. And it wasn't great. Um, it was pretty much... It, I mean, it was it was a bottom of success, but it was pretty much panned by critics. Yeah. And... It was... Um, um... Especially, I think people like don't look at it, don't they don't regard it highly because they try to have a, an even bigger like mindfuck like ending, you know, like they would try to be yeah. like yeah. better than the original and it failed like spent spectacularly. Well, the like, part when you got Lincoln Memorial with like the ape face, yeah, I, I that is such a it's such a really stupid kind of yeah. ending, yeah. Um, but I don't understand. It, it, it's a bit of a meme a bit as well. It's a yeah. bit silly. Yeah. When you're like, yeah. oh, the big the big twist, and it's like, oh, ape, the statue around Lincoln is like an ape. Ape Lincoln. Lincoln. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't go well. I think it's pretty silly. It's terrible. Um, yeah, I'm, so, I'm not a fan oh, of it. So obviously there was no further sequels to that remake. And, <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> and then kind of like the Pandemic series, a lot of people thought it was done. There was nothing else we could do about it. But then obviously then, um, I'm trying to remember who actually... Uh, 20th Century Fox yeah. an idea of let's make a reboot yes. yeah. of the Plan the Apes trilogy but have it kind of be like a prequel telling the story of how we get to Ape Earth how do we get from but, but what is the origins really how yeah. do we get to the setting and the time period that Charlton Heston lands in in the first Plan the Apes yeah and I think yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, it was it was 
it was covered in Conquest of Planet of the Apes. It was a, a film in the yeah. original series. But I personally feel like this is a lot better. Um, and the idea as well, this kind of stretched on about like a whole trilogy. Basically. This whole trilogy is pretty much an origin story. And what we're going to get in Kingdom of Planet of the Apes is kind of like more towards now, again, so towards kind of the setting and that kind of fixed point in... Um, Obviously, in the original Plan the Apes, kind of like yeah, um, yeah. What what I, I I appreciate though is like um, I, I rewatched the original as well, and I noticed in um, in uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, they they're not afraid of obviously you know like making their own story. They're not like tr- trying to be all you know um, like a prequel like Star Wars. It's like oh well you know we got to explain how C three PO got into it. We got to explain how. R two D two go into it. It it pretty much like runs its own course, you know, and they reinvent the character of Caesar because Caesar play, was played by Roddy McDowell, who played uh, obviously Cornelius in the original um, Planet of the Apes. It's a totally different character. This, this Caesar is um, is different. You know, he's um, he's um, a Western uh, Western um, chimpanzee, I believe. And the the opening um, scene um, was filmed in Hawaii, so that like sort of African sort of prologue with um, bright eyes. When she gets captured by the poachers, uh, that was um, Hawaii. But um, as I said, that's sort of like um, bringing in, I guess, the sort of um, the terror that we inflict upon animals and how we, we think we can control, like the animal kingdom and, and you know, Earth, and we can play God, as you mentioned. And then uh, Bright Eyes, you know, it zooms in on the sort of eye, and it, you know, it's very like a, this, like dumb sort of like dark eye, and then it zooms back out, and she's been infected with them. Um, the uh, ALZ one twelve virus, um, and she has now got increased intelligence because her um, brain cells have been repaired. And um, this this the whole thing started with this sort of pharmaceutical company um, wanting to create essentially a possible cure for Alzheimer's, and you know that's why it's called the like ALZ because that's the first three letters of Alzheimer's. It's um, uh, I mean, James Franco in this, like, kind of, he's not great, is he? Like, he, he's he's given a good part in the script, but he just feels like he's like his delivery on everything was quite crap. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, um, like, yeah. When I watched James Franco in this, I kind of felt yeah. like anyone could have played this character. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, like, it's not like a performance that I feel like. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I think James yeah. Franco should affect it. I yeah. mean, I do like seeing James Franco involved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, lately he's not been in like yeah, a lot he's been cancelled. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but, um, uh, but this was during that period yeah. where he was making a lot of like comedy and also yeah. he just came out of the Spider Man mm. trilogy, which really yeah. put him yeah. as kind of like this. You know, Tobey Maguire was originally meant to play him. So instead of Spider Man, they went with um, Harry Osborne instead. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, negotiations broke down apparently. Like he was being really fickle during negotiations. What, James Franco? Um, no, Tobey Maguire. So that's why they put him in the Spider-Man role? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, sorry, no, for, for this role. Oh, for, right, um, oh, right, okay. Uh, yeah, and um, as I can say, it's kind of like um, the the human drama of this film. I, I, I really like this film. I think it's really good, but the human drama reminded me a lot of like the human sort of parts of like a Godzilla film or like, um, yeah. like King, one of the new King Kong films. Like, the human parts are there purely because they need a break from all the sort of CGI. You know, like, as much as we'd love it, they can't have a whole film of just, like, Godzilla and, and King Kong battling. 
and that's that's kind of like what it reminded me of. Like the best scenes in this film are, of course, with um, with Caesar and the apes, especially when he gets put into the um, um, I forget what it's called, but the actual sort of like the the sanctuary. sanctuary. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's very very clever. I personally feel like I agree with you on some points of your yeah what you said, but also I kind of feel like. Rather than watching like a Godzilla or Kong film when you've got the human characters and you're like, well, I don't really care. I just want to see Godzilla yeah. fight Titans or, or Kong fight Titans. Yeah, okay. But I think for this, I think the whole human element of the story is really important yeah. because you need to explain, right, okay, you've got... This film was made out to come out with like kind of like well, two kind of points, yeah? I mean, that's basically answer the question, okay, how did the apes end up taking over the Earth, yeah? Mm. In the world yeah. we've seen the plan of the apes. But also the second question is, what happens to the humans? How do the humans become these feral kind of like that's people? That's true, yeah? yeah. And I feel like this, you you can have this whole film just be about Caesar's ape, ape you know, ape uprising and stuff, yeah? But I think also you need to kind of look at kind of like how the humans really... Ah, their I own see. downfall and own yeah. kind of like uh, yeah. you know destruction. Yeah. So and, with one ascension, you get another regression. Yeah, and I think like how, yeah, exactly, and it does play into well about the whole kind of message of the film, which pretty yeah. much is like all oh, animal testing's bad. Yeah. And there's kind of like a, a karma element to it as well. Mm, and yeah. another thing as well about looking back is humans are so obsessed with playing God that they lose control. And we've yeah. seen this in so many times in, in terms of in Westworld and um, Westworld Jurassic, in Jurassic Park, where humans who, you know, scientists who want to be like, you know, want the idea of, like, okay, we have got these chimpanzees that um, we're given the Alzheimer's drug to find a cure for Alzheimer's, but we're like giving them this kind of like newfound intelligence. We're like playing God. Yeah, and because of that, then it kind of leads to their downfall. And mm. you, and as I said, you see yeah. this in Westworld and Jurassic yeah. Park. Like, if you look at Frankenstein, like which is kind of like the original kind of like song yeah, that, that's, God, that's a good, that's a good um, comparison. Actually, Doctor yeah. Frankenstein creates a creature, and it leads to the the creature's um, destruction. Yeah, and, well, that's and, what um uh, Ma- uh Doctor Malcolm, isn't it? Jeff Goldblum says in yeah. Jurassic Park, and it's like you were so busy about. Um, thinking, you know, like, oh, we can do it, and you stopped. You'd never stopped and thought, well, should we be doing it? Um, it it's, it's, yeah, you've made, you made a very good point, actually. And then also on top of that, you've got kind of like the corporate greed, where these kind of companies yeah. are like, right, okay, we've got a deadline. We need to get this all sorted, yeah. and you're like, well, hold um, on, this yeah. not been tested properly. And they're like, we yeah. don't care. And Just I think um, David Oyelowo's um, role is very one um, one dimensional. But then again, he's just meant to be like the he's he's just meant to be a caricature of like you know like greedy uh, pharmaceutical like execs, isn't he? Who yeah. says like you know he says um, to James Franco, you know, who will oh you know you make history and we'll make money. It 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 is um, one dimensional, but it is just meant to be a no, sorry not not a caricature. I I need to retract that. It's more of a um, a portrait of like just pharmaceutical companies just um, neglecting what they should be doing with a duty of care in yeah. favor of just making money, yeah. you know, yeah. making financial gain. It's um, but also it, it's quite damning in that sense. But also, what I like about this film, it does it doesn't go out to say all oh, all humans are bad. Exactly, it actually yeah, yeah. shows that like actually, okay, 
you know, you got to characters like William Rodman and Caroline Aranha, and then you've got Charles Rodman. They yeah. are like a good, they're the ones who obviously they represent the good side of humanity. And then you've got characters like, uh, you know, Steve Jacobs and John and Dodge Landon, who represent the kind of cruel side of, of humanity. Yeah. Like the, the um, spectrum, isn't it? Of good and evil. Yeah. But again, this is kind of like um, following the story of Caesar. Yes, who pretty Caesar. much really like kind of wants to? Well, he's been set. He, he ugh, I, I, obviously like in terms of uh, William Rodman never yes. really planned, never really was great at planning out. Basically, okay, you adopted Caesar, yeah, and you want to, yeah. you know to bring him up and stuff. Well, why don't you get to that point where he's ready at that age, basically go and want to be, want to be free? Yeah. You can't yeah. lock him up in forever. And yeah. then obviously he kind of wants to play with other children because human children. Because he's because a kid, isn't he? He's a kid, but yeah. obviously he doesn't realise that he is different, and he's seen as like a you know people are scared of him. Yeah. Um, but then when he goes to like obviously he goes to the ape sanctuary, he's kind of like he's been outcasted by the apes because they see him as yeah. kind of like um, like a human, like kind of like. Mm. And obviously yeah. these apes have been badly mistreated by humans, so they see him as like. A sort of threat, or uh, yeah. so this really is about Caesar basically realizing, um, kind of like the good side of humanity, but also like you know, the bad side of humanity, yeah. And to, honestly, like, I felt like it, it was inevitable that Caesar would end up like hurting the human eventually out of kind of protection because, yeah. in the day, he is still an animal, and like the instinct of animals is to like protect their owners. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's like you can have a really happy dog and really loving yeah. dog, but if someone attacks, attacks the owner, that dog is going to fight back because it's mm. instinct, yeah? Yeah. But I think it's inevitable that Caesar will end up being, you know, imprisoned that, in that sanctuary. Yeah. But maybe if he was in a sanctuary where they treated the apes better, then maybe the outcome of this story would have yeah. been different. Mm. Um, I think it was just kind of like the unluckiness that he's put like in this really yeah. like horrible ape sanctuary that yeah. basically makes him turn and realizes that humans yeah. that that um, we need to basically fight back against humans. Yeah, because as you mentioned earlier, you know it is pretty similar to um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, one of the original ones with um, Roddy McDowell. Because um, mm. the, the 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 original film, you obviously the pres- um, sorry the premise of um, Taylor. Um, being ab- unable to speak, becoming essentially a, a subject in a like a human menagerie for this ape um, society, it's pretty much flipped on its head with um, with Caesar both in um, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes and um, Rise that we're talking about now. Uh, it's flipped with um, Caesar being this sort of like uh, quote unquote dumb you know ape that's been sent into this like um, yeah like this m- well mismanaged and badly operated ape sanctuary and then. Um, eventually escaping, you know, through the um, the hubris of of our, you know, the human species, and uh, leading his people essentially on like a like essentially like an exodus journey, isn't it? Because um, crossing, um, I forget what the the, the bay is called, uh, but uh, um, San Francisco, yeah, the, Golden, the, Gate the Golden Gate Bridge. It's it's pretty much you know like the sort of like you know like um, the, the the Hebrews escaping Egypt. It's um it's it's a it's very very um like cool story. 
but uh, what's, especially what's, when they're running amok in the city. That's amazing. But yeah. what's really interesting about it is that Caesar, regardless of he does not like humans, yeah. he would never resort to killing them. No. And he has stopped, like, there's cases in this film where he stops apes from, like, you know, attacking humans and trying yeah. to kill them. Like, yeah. but obviously when he kills um, uh, Dodge Landon, obviously he, yes, it's not like he, you can tell that him killing that person, obviously it was manslaughter. Well, yeah, it's manslaughter because yeah. he wasn't technically at, you know, intention to kill him. Yeah. But you can see the dread in his face. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, you know, like in, in Dawn, right, he says, isn't it? So, you know, we, we don't want war, but we'll defend ourselves. You know, like we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, you know, essentially, you know, we'll inflict upon you what you do upon us, you know, because we, we will defend ourselves. Um, and it's obviously that um, the, the argument of uh, personhood, isn't it? Like, you know, a lot of people would look at these animals, quote unquote, you know, and think it's like, oh, well, they're, they're not individuals, they're not people, they're just apes, they, they're animals. But, if something like this happens where they, they become, um, I think the in-universe term in, for this is that they're evolved apes. Um, if they become this evolved status where it's, they're very like intelligent and they're, you know, individuals with, you know, like hopes and aspirations and, and prejudices and, and hatreds, you know, then, I mean, they may not be human, but they, they, they're very highly intelligent in their own way. You know, it's, um, I, I read a book once was, um, about, um, I think it's called Sapiens, and he was talking about, you know, we look at intelligence through a, a human, like, uh, like, like lens. It's limited mm. by our own experiences. And, like, how can we, you know, hope to, like, let, let's say, like, with the apes, like the, the, the great apes, how can we say that they're not intelligent and, you know, like, um, yeah, like how, how can we say they're not intelligent in their in their own way? Because they they're not our species. They're, they're very close. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. And then what I was going to say about that is, it's because it's kind of like, what what's the best word to say? Is that because we have reached we are the pinnacle of like you know, of human evolution. Yeah, we think we are like you know like we have this attitude that we are the greatest predator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, a lot of species have been killed off by us, and yeah, we, we, we've you know, killed yeah, off we've... other human species. You know? Yeah, yeah, like the, the the Neanderthals. People yeah. like look at the Neanderthals as like dumb. They had larger brains than us, but we killed them off. Apparently. So, so we are quite ignorant in terms of yeah. we probably think we are the dominant species, but and we're not. We're too so ignorant. We're not realizing that there's probably other species out. Uh, yeah, because in the day. Like, we see these futures where humans have, like, you know, it's the year 3000, year 4000, and humanity spread out amongst the stars, yeah? Yeah. And we get, like, cyborgs and kind of, like, you know, kind of, um, say, cyborgs and kind of human, kind of, like, uh, what do you call it, like, um, uh, kind of cyberpunky kind of, like, type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. What's the saying, which makes me not make people worry, is, what happens if we maybe that actually might not happen? Maybe in that year three thousand, humanity just they get replaced by more superior species. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. what ape, what Pan the Apes does is kind of puts that saying like, well, sci-fi has always looked at before our point. It's always looked at kind of like humanity as kind of like you know very kind of like technologically and you know civilization advanced. Yeah. But this flips on the head, being like, well. What happens actually if if humanity isn't the most isn't actually the species that that's yeah. so developed? 
yeah. it's the next predator. Like, I, you know, it could be like with you know the apes, for example. Yeah, because and I think um, this is why I really like this film, uh, especially because like the ending was was amazing when I first saw it. Um, in that it shows, isn't it? And if something, let's say, like a, an act of God or something which is totally out of our control, but it, it's caused by us and we can't act and you know, we can't use our human intelligence and ingenuity to, to rectify our mistakes, i.e. the um, the simian flu, if we can't stop it, you know, it'll end us because it, it's, it's, be, it's from our, our greatest ever feat of like achievement, you know, like the, the ALZ-113 and it kills us all. You know that, like it's revealed that the the neighbor it's sprinkled throughout that he is a pilot but then when it shows him then in the airport and it yeah. shows the the blood drop on the airport floor he he's patient zero and he sends it to everyone across the globe it's it's a very very good ending and i think the the impact um is even greater now because of the impact of covid-19 yeah you know? I mean, re-watching that, watching this part, the ending, and then you see kind of like the um, the the planes all spreading out across the world. And you kind yeah. of see this kind of like spread. And it's really worrying. And it's, it's worrying, but also you kind of like, imagine this film came out like <laughs> during the COVID pandemic. Oh my like, God, yeah. People would be scared because, um, yeah. And the idea is like, you know, you could make a yard. Didn't back. Contagion come out in the same year? No, Conta- right? no, Contagion came out years ago. Right, okay. Um, uh, there's also a film called oh what's it called? Um it was a it was another post apocalyptic kind of like virus kind of like uh, film. Um, um virus. And, yeah, is is it was in nineteen ninety five. Uh it had Kevin Spacey and um Morgan Freeman in it. And basically, the, uh, the argument was that it was a bat that caused it. Oh, no uh, way. Yeah, but <laughs> they never found out what was the cause, and then it kind of, like, cuts yeah. to be, like, a bat. And also, you know, you could say, Wuhan, this kind of, like, COVID did start from experiments yeah. in the lab. You don't they, know. They recognised that, all yeah. of the wet markets, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I so, it was um, artificial, so it was, like, created in a lab, and it yeah. somehow got released, you know, on, on, yeah. on accident or... Um, but then, yeah, always was from like a, this virus from like a wet market, from like a, a wild animal. But um, who knows, isn't it? And yeah. I, I do think that plot to show, isn't it, that like, oh, well, you know, at the at the end, basically the whole, oh, you know, we, yeah, but like the, the apes have, have had a happy little ending in uh, Muir Woods uh, National Park in San Fran. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, they're all, you know, happy go lucky. What's to stop us from just going in and retaking them, right? Our numbers are on our side and technology and time um, dot 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 and then the virus takes over it, it just shows like we're fucked and it ends on that isn't it like it just shows the world obviously being it, um infected and it just shows it just that's we're, we're fucked you know we've lost on a, the war on a personal level for like the main character with william like it's also lost for him because he spent like his life's work creating this like out, yeah. you know, anti-Alzheimer's cure. And then again, like the thing is, like he tries to his father gets better, yeah. But then the the, the kind of Alzheimer's then fights back, and then it actually then it gets a point where he can't save his father. So yeah. at the end of the day, like there's no successful in terms of the human side of the, of the the plot of this film. They all lose in the, the day, like, yeah. 
because I that's what I do like about Will's character in this is that um, at the beginning, you know, they explain that like this virus is safe. You know, the only side effects are for some reason it turns the irises of the subject green. That's the only side effect, you know. But they've taken years and years and years to perfect this virus, and it is it is very useful. But then, obviously, because when it's been used, like antibodies uh, fight the virus, so its treatment isn't being able to be delivered in the sub in the uh, not subject, sorry, in, in the patient. Um, so they'll create something a more virulent and more um, yeah a more, a more virulent strain of this virus, and he sacrifices all his like his duty of care because is 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 desperate desperation is just manifold it, it it just overtakes him and you know he uses his human intelligence and ingenuity and he fails to like to maintain that stewardship or that duty of care that he, sh- that he should have but, but you know he's doing it for the best of intentions but you know it creates but then problems. that's the thing it's, it's like it's like if because his father has alzheimer's yeah and it's, and do you reckon yeah is that question is it was if it's is it inevitable that he will still have Alzheimer's like yeah if, if it, is this like kind of like is this like God's work or something like that or like mm. a set path in terms of but also you yeah. can either say that this you know Alzheimer's virus um, ALZ one one two maybe it just like it wasn't enough like maybe it wasn't as strong. And and obviously because of what Will does, basically he takes samples from the lab and uses it on his on his dad on his dad, and then he becomes kind of like prone to blackmail by um, Stephen Jacobs, which literally leads to basically Will basically he can't now stop Stephen Jacobs from running more tests. Will ALZ the new the new ALZ batch because obviously yeah. Stephen Jacobs has got can basically end his career. Yeah. So. It's, it's quite hard really yeah like, in terms of like we always say that like you know science is always so important to kind of like finding like cures for diseases and all that and you know it has been successful like the common cold if we had it today it would have killed us off like you know yeah really quickly like polio is like oh my god you know, yeah majority of the population in the world is can't you know can't yeah. have polio anymore yeah, and we've, then, we've uh, defeated polio, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's still some countries that still have it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and then obviously the next big battle is basically trying to find ways to cure cancer, cure, yes. uh, cure dementia and cure uh, Alzheimer's. So science has always been a good thing on, in terms of that. Yeah. And then then you've got the ugly side of science where in terms of sometimes scientists are like, oh, let's just make this for like, and then that could be something that really yeah. is more damaging. Yeah. Um, but then you've got kind of questions like, well, end of the day as well, if they wanted to test out these, um, you know, these drugs on humans, well, they don't want to kill humans from it, so they test on animals. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, you've got that really outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like there was this really big. Um, uh, oh, it was years ago. It was like I think it was over hundred years ago. I can't remember. But basically, in Scotland, they cloned sheep. And it was the first oh, case yeah, of in. Yeah, yeah, Dolly. And it was a massive, massive, like, uh, kind of religious, kind of um, ethical mm. kind of discussion about it, obviously, because a lot of, uh, from a Christian viewpoint, it's like, well, you know, everyone's created the image of God or God created these, you know, 
the the animals and humans and all that. So if you clone that, then you're playing God as well. Um, so there's a lot of questions about that, yeah. and it's this is something that is very complex and can never really yeah. Like, there's never you know it's never a straightforward answer. Yeah. You can literally spend yeah. hours well, debating with yeah. someone, and you that, can never. That's why I like. These new films, especially for for Planet of the Apes, is uh, kind of like as a meditation on those questions. You know, you won't necessarily find an answer, but you you are allowed to explore like the themes that are conveyed to you and 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 just have a, a greater understanding of, of of the question, isn't it? Like maybe you'll you'll find the answer to it eventually, but now you know at least now you are, you have a greater understanding and um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if I if I compare like kind of like kind of the, the historical context of the Planet of the Apes film compared yeah. to this one. So the first Planet of the Apes film came out in 1968. So yeah. uh, two decades after the end of the end of the World War Two. You know, nineteen sixty eight, the sixties were a really huge period of the Cold War with obviously, you know, we had the Bay of Pigs, the Cuban Missile Crisis, everyone really worrying about a nuclear apocalypse. And in a way as well, like this kind of like the death of humanity and the slave of humanity and the, you know, the ape kind of like, you know, uprising and ape controlling humans and controlling the earth. It's very like, the, it was the biggest fear. It's kind of like a symbolism of the biggest fear of, of, of basically Western governments have was, you know, you could say that apes were kind of, you know, people could say all oh, the apes are kind of like communists and socialists and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And then obviously the idea of like, Planet of the Apes is also that it is, you know, it is post-apocalyptic, which is like, yeah. you know, a, a big, the, big um, thing. The, the second film, so Beneath the Planet of the Apes, was um, people have commented on that because um, there's like, they find out that humans exist, like intelligent humans, but they're mutated. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there's that sort of like, yeah, section of like these humans and then like the the apes you see in the first film as like, you know, analogues for the USSR and, um, and uh, the USA. It's um, yeah, and it's, and it's a very good analysis, and also during that time as well, like images of what happened in Hiroshima and Nagasaki, yeah. people knew about that, so people saw kind of like the kind of physical impacts of uh, you know nuclear radiation had on people as well, um, and so the Planet of the Apes is very much a war movie. Yeah, it's yeah. very much about basically like oh humans rebelling against their oppressors. Yeah. yeah. It's very much about you know, it's the idea as well. Kind of World War Two is like we five we defeated fascism, so it's kind of like humans basically fighting up against kind of like this evil force and basically prevailing. Mm. Uh, whilst okay, that's what I think of this all context from the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, it's probably a bit more about it. Yeah, you have to go into um, a lot of reading about it. Yeah, because like talking about the original film as well, uh, mm. I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, it's um I don't know why, but there's there's um the the callbacks like the references to the original film in 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 Rise, they 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 come across as quite like um like I don't know like quaint or I guess like charming. The you can tell that like the people making Rise they did have a love for the original. They they're not um self-deprecating. You know they they're not like porking jokes at the original. They're referencing it. You know, it's self-referential, but it's very, um, it's showing that, you know, it, this is the world that it's going to be eventually, you know. Um, obviously, you know, they have the whole, you know, like, 
get your paws off me, you damn dirty ape. You know, they have that, which is fan service But then they have other stuff then where um, uh, when, um, oh, I forget his name, um, uh, um, Draco Malfoy's um, character. Yeah. He's like, you know, yeah, he said, you know, it's a madhouse. That's yeah. basically like what um, Charlton Heston said in the in the original when he's been yeah, put in his cage. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you see um, Icarus Rocket on TV. Now, I want to talk about that, actually. Yeah. Actually. Now, I felt like that, but I don't think that needs to be shown. I don't yeah. think you need yeah. to have the old Icarus expedition because then you're like, well, okay, so you're telling me that when it comes to future Pan the Apes installments, that that the, the crew yeah. on that rocket, we're, we're going to see Taylor gonna eventually. Last, yeah. They're going to arrive in. They're going to arrive on this. You know, yeah, because I feel like this film, this this new trilogy with Kinder Pan the Apes setting up, I think it's going to lead to the Planet of the Apes. I've, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm sure of it. Now, I don't think that if they decided to go a different route and not include the kind of the Icarus expedition. Then it kind of makes it a bit of a plot hole where you're like, well, why did you <laughs> set that up? I feel like also it's fan service as well. Yeah. Yeah. I but, think it was just like a little thing just to say, oh, look, it's the Icarus rocket, guys. It's there. But then, there. but then, but I, it was fine if they weren't really planning on making future sequels to Rock. Yeah, that's true. that's true. But now they are, it's making this like huge kind of like, well, yeah. now we see the Icarus expedition. Oh, it's been lost over Mars. <laughs> now in Planet Apes, they say that basically they they because they've been so lost. It's been like years, and they've been yeah. like fast sleep, haven't they? Yeah, like two thousand years or something. Yeah, something like so that. yeah, I don't know. I I felt like it, I didn't see the point of that being mentioned. Yeah, they really mentioned it quite a lot. The idea with oh, it, the Icarus expedition, oh, it's got lost. No one knows what's happened to it. You're yeah, like, okay, <laughs> they're really trying to push it push it forward. It's yeah. like you know. But I didn't mm. think it needs it needs to be in the film. There's um, um there's some other references to the original stuff. Um something which is quite uh it's a bit more obscure, but one which I think is quite fun is um uh Will Rodman's character. Um his surname Rodman is the full name of um uh, Rod Serling of um right, okay. uh, the Twilight Zone. Uh, so his, his name was Rod Serling, it was Rodman Serling. Yeah. Um, he wrote the original script for the 1968 film. Um, wow, okay. He had he had a lot of um, say on like the original series. Um, there's loads of like stuff like, you know, like uh, yeah, names so like. Um, I feel like Planet yeah. Apes is definitely kind of Twilight Zone kind of like. Oh thing. god, yeah. yeah, it could be. It was just a big Twilight Zone episode, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> Especially yeah. Especially with like the the reveal at the end, because like there's loads of like little like plot twists in the Twilight Zone. You know, like amazing, amazing plot twists, which is like. You look now and you're like, oh yeah, but that's so cliche. But the Twilight Zone was the first ones to do it. They they were they, the Twilight Zone and Rod Serling were so instrumental in, in um, popularizing like sci-fi TV. Honestly, it was, and, it was and also making sci-fi seem really uncomfortable as well. Yes, like, really, yeah. Like, weird. Putting like horror elements into. And it. I feel um, like if you yeah. didn't have, if you did not, if you didn't have Twilight Zone, you wouldn't have Black. Yeah, Ex- um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and um, another fun reference is um, Maurice, the the orangutan, a, a, a really fun character, uh, is named after I forget his full name, but his name is Maurice. He played um, Doctor Zeus in the in the original films, uh, so, you know stuff like that. It's really like fun stuff. Every time I think of Doctor Zeus, yeah. giving a, of the uh, Simpsons, the Simpsons, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I love you, Dr. Zayas. <laughs> it's amazing. So I want, I want to look at the historical context of Wild Planet of the Apes, just yes. so, like, obviously compare that to the historical context of the original film. Now, obviously, the idea is back in the 60s, I don't think it was a big thing for governments around the world and, you know, uh, civilians to really worry about the treatment of animals. Mm, like, yeah. um, but obviously now it's such a big thing uh, where, like, you know, the idea is, uh, um, you know, you know, we need, there's been a lot of, like, obviously um, extinctions of, of animal species, which maybe you're really aware Obviously, we've got Peter, who have obviously really kind of like fought to basically make me aware of like, you know, humans abusing animals and animal rights and, and all that. And we obviously, you know, we there's so many documentaries about like uh, the ivory trade in Africa where um, obviously people will murder rhinos and and elephants just to steal their like the tusks and stuff. It's, it's, it's really appalling stuff. And then obviously, yeah. but those people don't care about, you know, the, the question is, will this kind of like species live on? And um, also now we also we've got climate change worries as well, global warming, and and, and, and this is like being a big thing kind of disaster move, natural disaster movies moving forward. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. obviously, day after tomorrow is looking at like you know um, the ice caps melting and all, and yeah. all that. Um, I guess even, even like um, the impact of like the SARS virus may have like influenced the script. Yes, yes, yeah, definitely. That, that's definitely true there. Uh, and but you know, in the sixties, no one really cared about climate change. Everyone was more worried about Cold yeah. War, nuclear yeah. apocalypse. Like it wasn't like like the American government didn't really care about. Oh, what is the environmental impact of dropping these nuclear bombs? They didn't care. Like the main thing they were worried about is like you know we got to drop these on the on our enemy. Yeah, before they do it twice. Yeah. So, and Chernobyl in the eighties was a big environmental thing, which kind yeah. of made people more aware about how, like, how can radiation really impact the yeah. the, the environment around it? You know, mm. like these like dust clouds that went across Europe and um, full of they had all radiation in it and all that. And yeah. How, so that's basically what this film tries to, it's this it's very messagey this film but it's not yeah. like really i personally prefer this film its message over what i've seen done look up yeah yeah and the thing is i think with um done look up it it is a good message but the delivery was very um stilted and um obnoxious i feel yeah there's also this really funny film. Oh, it's also this really bad film watched like um, weeks ago, and it's got um, Steven Seagal on it, and it's about him basically fighting against his oil company, <laughs> and yeah. in Alaska, and it's all about the idea of like oil is like you know blood money and how oil is destroying the environment. But you know, it's like a it's really written really really bad. Yeah, where it's just like oh, this is an action film, but it's got a message. You're like, yeah. right, okay, you know. Like even when you watch Rocky Four and Cecil Stallone's like oh, God, giving yeah. like a physical speech, you're like, right, okay, this is really hammed into my brain right now. Yeah. Like, well, I don't need it to be. Um, <laughs> but uh, as I said, don't look up. I I felt like the satire of it, yeah, it was funny, but it was very obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it was really patting itself on the back. Yes, Whilst with this film, yeah. I don't really see that. 
I don't yeah. see like the filmmakers, the director and the writers, you know, on the studio being like, oh, we just released, we just made a, you know, a blockbuster film with a strong message, you know, and it's done really well about apes and humans and stuff like that, or yeah. pass over the back. It wasn't that. It really felt like they really wanted to tell this, but it's yeah. not like really yeah. fast in your face that no. it really puts you off. I, I feel um, it, it, it's not, it wasn't looking for accolades. No. But, but I feel like, um, in terms of um, filmmaking, it it is phenomenal in terms of the sort of like motion capture technology. Like on on site, they developed a technology where they could do more motion capture on location. Like before, it was a bit, it was difficult. It was, it was, it was studio, wasn't it? It was studio, all done in like yeah. one studio building yeah. and stuff like that. So like, that. you know, you say like, oh, you know, but they did that with Gollum in Lord of the Rings. Well, no, a lot of the stuff with Gollum was in studios. It was never on location whereas in this that you see behind the scenes photos and and it's very strange photos of james franco um leading andy circus around with a collar right you know with with like a lead (laughs) it's uh, it's very questionable but um it's um i mean you know you look at like the effects and sometimes the effects are quite like plastic um obviously the the technology only um only develops more and more with like each film that comes out but um the, the effects are phenomenal you know in terms of like conveying the the emotions uh behind a mostly non-verbal caesar who's meant to be the main you know protagonist of this film for someone who as i said is non-verbal th- throughout you you know like the emotions that are conveyed and um uh, i read somewhere as well that um patrick doyle the um the composer for the film um, knew that you know, like a lot of these apes would be like communicating like sign language and stuff. So he wanted to create some music that would set the sort of like um, atmosphere yeah. around that. Yeah, you know, like and not having to worry about like conveying it through dialogue. But yeah, through yeah. More, um, because because a lot of it, obviously, you know, like, especially with the, you have, I guess, like Caesar communicating with Maurice in, in um, American Sign Language. It's um. Uh, sorry, no, it's not it's not American Sign Language. It, it is like just a sign, isn't it? Like some basic signs. Um, you you can tell the sort of like audio stings and stuff, and um, it's, it's very very good um, soundtrack. It's it is very very. very it's good. a very very good, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and also, it is technically it's very well made. Yeah, yeah, and with Caesar as well, like him only speaking to right to the end, and it's a yes. really pivotal pivotal point. Um, it really shows that like the next level of the kind of like this virus that uh, giving the yeah. intelligence and all that like and obviously in the later films they do talk a lot and stuff like that but that moment where he say no to uh, dodge yeah it's like a big big moment in terms of yeah. speaking because in that question as well like watching plan the apes you're like why are we saying speaking you know like, yeah. animals speak like and it, it's know. a big thing isn't it it's a, it's a big step so yeah you should like I know it's like, oh, you know, well, he never bloody speaks until about three quarters of the way in. Like, that's you're missing the point. Like, the whole thing is him, and you see him like standing up, and, and he rises, he pushes Dodge down, and he rises, and he looks down at him, and it's to show, yeah, the planet of the apes has arrived. It is huge. Yeah, now, like, this is the and then wise. When he says goodbye to Will, he's speaking yeah. to him like him talking is like a baby learns first words, isn't it? Like, yeah, babies yeah. would say like no and stuff like that. Yeah, but obviously he prog- he's progressing quicker than them. Yeah, a normal human baby. So, and, and he doesn't contract his words either. No, so at the end he could have said Caesar's home, 
but like like someone who's learning a new a new language, he says Caesar is home. Yeah, I wonder if that was a conscious uh, decision. Because um, as I said, you know, it's more effort, but it's like someone, as I said, learning a language. They 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 don't you know how to use contractions yet. Yeah. Um, it, it is very good. And you get James Franco in that moment. You see like the, the shock, isn't it? Like the the scientist in him is coming out again when he says you know, like. Yeah, Caesar's home. It's almost like he reverts back into that sort of like really weird, like oh my god, you know, like this is great, and you know, my work has like come true and all this stuff, like like the Frankenstein sort of character. In a weird character. way, it's kind of like that. It's a closure of his work. Like yeah. he has at least create. He wasn't able to save his father, but yeah. at least he's able to basically create like, save his son. Terms of yeah, human intelligence. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I don't know what happens to his character. Um, between the events of Rise and Dawn, it, it, it is assumed that he died along with many others with the violence. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The obviously we'll talk about uh, the cameo that we see in um, in the next uh, episode when we talk about Dawn. But um, yeah, he wasn't asked to come back, um, and they reckon th- um, that was because um, uh, they, they with um, the director change up, you know, like. Um, Rupert Wyatt wasn't able to come back because he didn't think that uh, um, the studio allocated time for the film. He didn't think he would be uh, been able to have done it, so they replaced him with um, uh, Matt Reeves, um, and he brought on like his own people. You know, like Michael Giacchino came on and replaced um, uh, Patrick Doyle, and yeah, you know, like a lot of the old cast weren't asked to come. Uh, sorry, weren't well, uh, not, asked to come back. It's, it's just no point, is it? Like, yeah. it, it, can't, it can't ruin the mo. Like, like have seen Caesar's. And also the idea as well, like Caesar is now kind of independent. Yes. So he's away from his father now and like he's his own person. He has to fight his own battles now and he has to lead. It'd be really off-putting just to have James Franco's character in the second one. I, I couldn't agree because more. Because it I would agree. really yeah. just like not make... Yeah, it, it why? It would ruin Caesar's journey. Why is know? he there? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... Um, and like obviously the last part where he says, you know, Caesar's home, it's like that there's it's that goodbye. Yeah. Um when they they literally like they rise, you know, they all stand up. Mm. It it is basically meant to be it's meant to um uh evoke the the very famous like um diagram of like ape into um human. That's sort of like yeah. it's called yeah. like March of Evolution or something, I think it's yeah, called. That's it, that's it's it, meant yeah. to mimic that, isn't it? By showing upright, it shows like the the the, the apex of evolution. It's meant to do all that. And, and they, they're all doing it after he's done it. It's to show you know like, he is now like their god king. The they do um create this idea that he is like the Messiah. You know, he is the one that essentially opened their eyes. You know, he gave them sentience. He didn't. It was the virus, you know. But in their eyes, he is this great yeah, the, ruler. The Jesus imagery gets very, like, yeah. heavy in the next yeah. two films, especially yeah. in the third film where it's oh, like... Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, it... Like, mm. I, I, I don't mind it. I don't think it's really off-putting. I, um, I, I, I don't... Yeah. Funny and I mean, you know, the character's name Caesar. You know, he's meant to be like the, he is Caesar. He is the one that literally created the Roman Empire. You know, he and is but, like and, the dictator for life. But also, what else does Caesar do? He crossed a Rubicon, which is like no one's done before. Like, yeah. And the idea of Caesar crossing Rubicon's always being this kind of like allegory for people, like go stepping into something new or like yeah. 
doing well, something do yeah. something unthinkable in, or make yeah. something impossible unimpossible yeah because like, that's so... the thing in it once he's across the rubicon river it was basically he could not go back on his actions he now needed to carry out is it like he had the intention to do something now he had to carry it out i mean you, you could know? say the golden gate bridge was the rubicon exactly yeah there's a <laughs> lot of like um uh, classical um, biblical allusions in this film, as you mentioned, the sort of uh, the Christ Messiah images, very yeah. very prevalent throughout the the trilogy. Um, in this one, not so much. There's more sort of um, um, oh, the sort of like images. Like, they, they try to do a lot of sort of like fatherhood stuff as well, you know, but um, it's it's not that clearly conveyed. Um, and as well, there's that sort of um, the the Frankenstein's monster in the form of Cobra. Um, yes, I, I totally yes. forgot he was in this. I totally thought he was in um, Dawn and War. I, I, I totally I, forgot I, he was in this. I, I forgot. But basically, technically, he's the reason why the fire starts. Yes. He essentially removes yeah. the scientist mask, and then obviously he gets ill because he ends up bu- blowing it. You know, in inhaling the toxins. Yeah. But Cobra is supposed to be like the kind of the anti Caesar. Yeah. In terms yeah. of like Caesar's, like obviously. He doesn't like the way humans have been treated apes, but he kind of like wants to try and create like a, an equal you know, divide mm. between like kind of like working together, living coexistence, stuff like that. Yeah. Whilst Cobra is obviously he's been experimented on and and identical, <laughs> he's blind and like scarred and stuff. So yeah. he, visually he looks like a villain. Like yeah. in terms of that. Yeah, yeah, he's the classic, so, like you know, disfigured villain. So, but he's yeah. the one who basically hates humans and wants to wipe them out because yeah. of what they've done to him. Yeah. And really, it's about about how one, like how one kind of like eight kind of mistreatment has kind of mm. like, you know, yeah, basically leads them to create basically turn everyone against humanity. Yeah. And um, um, his character as basically. Um, was always meant to be this sort of like, oh, you know, eventually he would turn against Caesar and all the rest. That was Rupert Wyatt's idea, which um, the studio and like the writers decided to keep on. And then yeah. it was used then in the Matt Reeves films as, you know, essentially um, going from like a close confidant and then becoming the, the yeah, as you, as you mentioned, like the antithesis of Caesar, eventually like doing the ultimate portrayal. And, um, uh, the, the, as I mentioned, the Frankenstein imagery is there. The um, the the allusions to essentially being like this is yeah like a more mistreated version of Caesar, and he's not turned to evil. Um, the 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 apes in this they do a, a really good job in it, like obviously making them quite different in appearance for the audience to to make them stand out. But the the um, uh, personalities are quite vibrant as well, mm. and the the revolutionary. Um, themes of this like the, the revolution is in like re- rebellion and and uprising uh prevalent in in that do you know, especially when um you know the who like you know why cobra no no was it why rocket cookie with the who like giving like the the apes in the sanctuary the cookies the the musical stings were quite soviet they, they had this sort of like i don't know like communist like feel to them as, as essentially this sort of like you know we're, we're we're all equal, but you know, like we, we must rise yeah, together, yeah, comrades. Yeah, it, 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 it's really much about like he, uh, uh, Caesar's realized he needs to bring all the apes together for them yes. to survive. And as yeah. he said, basically, apes together strong, yeah, like apes, like separate, like, yeah, weak or something. The, so he know, the knows to do of that. The apes are very iconic, yeah. Right? So to do that, he realizes he has to, um, 
um, really put aside differences with Rocket. And by him giving the cookie, yeah. pretty much, it's like, oh, I basically don't have any dislike towards you for what you've done to me. Yeah. Um, I see you as an equal, and yeah. basically, you know, that, that's really it. And I think, obviously, that's what Rocket respects him from that, because yeah. later on, Rocket becomes like his right hand man. Yeah, he's, he's a, uh, he's right a hand ape, isn't he? Ape, yeah. yeah, right so, hand ape. Yeah. Right hand ape. So it's quite interesting because obviously when when Rocket seems to be like this kind of like not the I wouldn't say he's like the leader of the apes in the sanctuary. He's pretty much he, like that. He's like his he was the like, alpha, wasn't he? He was the yeah. alpha, and then obviously he learned to basically he basically treated like um, Caesar's like lower because he saw that Caesar was like you know. Like a yeah. human pet, really, like yeah, um, and uh, humans pet, and then obviously later on, the scene of Caesar basically wants to help uh, his apes, and he decides he's picked this side. He wants to help the apes, not humans, be humans. Then he yeah. gets his respect for him. Hmm. The um, the I, I I do like all the stuff in like the sanctuary, especially when they like the, they escape out through the sort of like windows and. Um, the uh <laughs> I, I i do like how essentially like um caesar only managed to become alpha because he used like buck to intimidate um rocket it's so funny uh and like oh yeah they, they're all like quite intelligent aren't they because like um buck sort of like thanks caesar for like letting him out and all this stuff which i think is quite unrealistic but um it's uh you know, it's, it's it's really good, and um, I, I like especially when um, uh, Dodge Senior looks into like the sanctuary and he sees them all like like arranged, and he's like, "Fuck this, I'm going home." <laughs> I've had enough. It's also interesting looking at like how obviously Dodge. I think Dodge Child um, John Landon has two sons. You got Dodge, yeah, and he seemed to be like um, this. Uh, Trying to remember what. Um, uh, Trying to remember what his name is. It's one but of the Harris um, brothers. He, it's Jared Harris's he, brother. Oh right, okay. So Rodney, yes. Can you say it? It doesn't mention that if it's, it's his brother or not. But what I've kind of gather is they're probably brothers. Yeah. Um, but what is interesting about um, obviously uh, Rodney is Rodney sees what. What the you know, mistreatments Dodge does to the apes, but he's like too afraid to like stop mm. him. Yeah, and then Caesar re- realizes that, and then and obviously uh, Rodney doesn't attack any of the apes, does he? He doesn't like abuse or anything like that. No, as we can see in the film. So when it comes to like obviously after Dodge gets killed, the apes start attacking Rodney, and Caesar stop because Caesar yeah. realizes he is like a good one, but also like. We like he 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 did not hurt us. Yeah, so we he, he was complicit, him. wasn't he? He was, yeah. he was complicit, but he wasn't like antagonistic. No. So like putting him in the cage, but without any sort of further punishment, I think was the right punishment for him. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because um, I because I think you know, and not not a lot of things happen in terms of. Um, because you look at like how good like the, the the other films are, and this film does seem quite anemic in terms of like storytelling or like. But the apes did like fuck all really. All they, they all they did was just run into the forest at the end. But it's it's more of a um, a thematic journey over like uh, a, a journey of like distance. I feel 
you know, even like contained within that like small little like like um play area in the sanctuary, a lot of development and a lot of um sort of like oh, I, I keep on forgetting like the, the term the um uh, I I guess it's kind of like uplifting. Are you familiar yeah. with like like the sci-fi like thing of like uplifting? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so anyone that's like not familiar, it's kind of like the whole like like apes in this how they go from like the dumb animals and they become this very intelligent race. Of, of, of people essentially is because like they were given something which uplifted them and um it, it's quite common in sci-fi you know, the, you know the who like the monoliths in 2001 a space odyssey and stuff like that it's um as i mentioned in in this film in rise it's more um of a thematic uplifting whereas it's not you know like oh you know they they, they travel across middle earth and, and all of, like the things they they you know all like the the baddies they face along the way you know causes them to become greater people it's not it's it's more um they they overcome their own sort of restrictions in terms of like animal um ignorance you know they they become uh there's more sort of like biblical imagery in, in terms of like you know they they are given essentially sort of like the gift of inspiration isn't it like the, the gift of sentience yeah um and and i have to wonder whether the sort of like the green imagery um kind of like i, I don't know if it's like a stretch but sort of like green like as in green apple, apple of knowledge, or or green is well, in like green. Green's always been like green. nature. Because the effect, obviously, <laughs> the virus is. You know, you know, yeah. it's like you know, the eyes go green. That's when he uses the the ALZ virus on. Yeah. On the oh, I, I mean, a, a more like a thematic reason why, um, like the the writer's reason to introduce it is like green. Into, like, is it like green has always been like nature? Is this like nature's revenge? Oh, right. Against, okay. I, yeah, humanity. I thought you. Were, I, I was looking at it as well because of green eyes. That's yeah. as well. Um, but then, um, like, green eyes has always been associated with sort of like you know, well, these apes have just got like dark, like and dim eyes, and mm. it's always been associated with like humanity in, in having bright eyes. You know, yeah, intended, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. And obviously, again, you know that that that's another reference. So, bright eyes sees his mother was the nickname given to Taylor in the original um, by uh, Dr. Cornelia. No, okay. uh, I apologize, Dr. Zira. Um, Dr. Zira, yeah. Yeah. But um, it's, uh, it's, it is very good. I, I, I prefer Dawn and War over, over these, um, probably because I like the, the very Shakespearean betrayal of Cobra later on, um, you know, played by Toby Kebbell. It's this is not Toby Kebbell in this one. It's another actor. Yeah, but, um, um, yeah. So he's replaced then later on. So, death. I in terms of this trilogy, I do feel like Rise is probably the weakest, and I do feel like it's it's a good film. I think it's yes. a really really good film. Um, obviously, Matt Reed really escalated kind of like this character the character Caesar into one of the most very complex and really well written um, characters. Uh, obviously, of a franchise in the last decade, and and you could tell that he really incorporated how he wrote Caesar or depicted Caesar to obviously Batman to Bruce Wayne, yeah. and for the new for the new Batman, and he does talk about as well that he really tries to compare uh, show similarity between Bruce Wayne's journey in the Batman to Caesar's in um, Dawn and War, huh. um, uh, but this film. If there was, basically, if they said, okay, this is going to be the only prequel film we're going to make of Planet of the Apes, I think it would still be fine. I think I'd be happy with that because, A, they answered both, well, they answered both, the, the both answers, well, 
the answers to both questions from the, uh, you know, as as obviously like they set up to do. So, A, it show how Ape uprising. So you can go into realising, well, I can kind of see that the apes, obviously, they're very high intelligence and they will take over. And B, it shows why humans become these kind of like uncivilised, barbaric kind of yeah. like, you know, inferior, um, you know, it's very feral creatures in the film because of the virus. So there's a lot of deep thinking you got to do. But if they yeah. said this was the only prequel film to Planet of the Apes and then they made another remake of Planet of the Apes, I think I would be fine. I mean, obviously, the, 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 the Dawn and War really extend the story to kind of add a little bit more to it as well. Yeah. But, I mean, this film really sets up in its one to do. In a way, it's its own separate story. And then kind of like Dawn and War really kind of feel like it's one big story split into two parts. Um, That's true, yeah. But I've, I've always thought that, yeah. Yeah, um, because obviously the end of Dawn, it's basically, Dawn's pretty much about kind of like can humans and apes coexist yeah. in this kind of post-apocalyptic world. And then War's pretty much about can apes survive humans, really. Yeah. Um, Mm. So, and I think it's how how um, evil are, are humans meant to like? Yeah. How, how evil can they go to maintain their status as like you know the, the yeah? The so the first film, species, yeah. So the first film is about pretty much is rebelling against against human civilization. Yeah. The second one is about um, cooperation and coexisting with human yeah. civilization, and the third one is surviving the human civilization. Mm. Yeah. Not the survival of human yeah. civilization is the ape surviving mm. the human civilization. Yeah. How will they survive it? Yeah, and I think later on, especially as you mentioned, um, obviously I, I agree with everything you said, and I, I'll add on to that that I feel it's like outlasting. Yeah, you know, like the apes want to they want to live more than the humans do, and then yeah. obviously with stuff like the the virus mutating into like turning people into these you know feral essentially like dumb animals that obviously impacts um the downfall of of, of humanity but um that's more like th- thematic i and, feel and you could tell that these dudes the next two films get really dark like it's very yeah. very dark yeah. like um you know it's yeah because because you know, like the original film like it, it does get dark in part you know like um one of them, the the, the co astronauts gets lobotomized. You know, it's it's very dark. Yeah, and then it's, it's quite fun at the same time. Um, and but, I, I, a lot of the sort of like fun elements were added on the day of shooting. Like, so, you know, like I love War of the Planet of the Apes, but it's yeah. a depressing film. It's so depressing. Mm. There, you can't come out you, like if you wanted to watch a film which is like you know, oh, I want to watch a really like kind of like funny kind of like warm like light-hearted film you wouldn't watch all the planet of the apes because it's literally about death and yeah you know it's, it's like destruction and all that it's depressing film but it's good like i say you're thinking of joker like joker is a yeah. brilliant film it is depressing to watch yeah it's you painful what... to watch it is and i wouldn't watch joke if i want to watch a film to kind of like oh you know um if i want to watch a film to kind of like you know if I make myself cheer up, I won't watch a joke at like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, oh God. so, but, you know, that, 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 but doesn't, that's not, because it's a pressing film, doesn't make it be a bad film. It's just, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
It's like it's, watching um, as well. Yeah. Wrecking for a dream is depressing. Oh my about, god! Yeah. Also, Train Spotting. It is. The, yeah. It is. It's a brilliant film, but it's mm. so depressing. Yeah. Like it. Um, I think um, as well. It's worth noting, you know, like the Andy Circus. You know, like this is one of the things that basically, you know, we look at it now. Like motion capture is quite prolific in film. And it wasn't that long ago, you know, Andy Serkis was was a, a staunch campaigner on promoting motion capture in, like, these films. So, it's, obviously, not just him, but he was one of these big names which promoted it. And this was one of the films that allowed him to show, you know, like, the, the, the positives of doing that alongside, as well, um, motion capture by Terry Notary. You know, he, he's been in, like, loads of stuff. Like, you see him in, um, uh, was it, the, the, what's the film where, like, he acts like an ape? In front of like a uh, like a, a ballroom, is it is it the square or like the circle? It's called something like that. I um, think it's the square. I yeah, think. I but he, he's been in loads of stuff. He's he been did King like... Kong. He, he, yeah, he yeah. King Kong and um, I, I I believe he was um uh he was motion capture reference for um oh, for, for like loads of characters in like the Hobbit trilogy as well. So yeah, he's a very influential yeah. um yeah. Uh, person. And um yeah. together with as I mentioned like the the um digital sort of like sorry the cgi created by weta as well you know weta did like lord of the rings and and the hobbit as well it, it's um it's because of the these films i i believe in like that the the cgi from, from them is, is just so good you know i mean some some of the things have been a bit bad like recently because of just cgi in the last couple of years has been shocking. But, well, a lot of it, it's always yeah. been like really kind of like mistreatment of uh, VFX workers. Exactly. Yeah. Marvel has yeah. done really bad at. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, I do feel like they did have like a lot of time to prepare for this. And, you know, like they were, they were, um, they went, because obviously it's a, it's a New Zealand based company, uh, Weta. They went to the Wellington Zoo and they were like watching the apes move and, you know, use them for like visual reference, like, you know, movement. And as I said, you know, Terry Notary would be on hand on set to like, you know, advise people about movements because um, you have to, you know, it's easier then for the digital artists to essentially paint around the actors' performances, you know, like you, you, you see like the anger in Caesar's eyes or, or you see like the sadness or like the, the ha- you, you know, when he's happy purely because the, the VFX artists have translated the actors' performance. It's, it's, um, it's a very, very cool journey. I think that uh, they have to go on with that, but um, yeah, it's, it's very, very cool. And, but it, it does make me like very afraid of like knowing that like oh my god these apes could like take over. Yeah, yeah, it, it's scary. But, yeah, but it's also like the CGI is definitely will break the film if it wasn't done well. Oh, absolutely. Like, sometimes you yeah. can have dodgy CGI in films, yeah. but it can be safe with yeah. good performances and the mm. story. Yeah. Whilst with this, if it's really about apes and you got yeah. some really bad looking apes exactly then yeah. it is gonna well, ruin the film you know like, this was the yeah. first planet of the apes film that used totally like digital reference apes you know before uh, all of the films and and the old planet of the apes series they all used um makeup and prosthetics and um in the tim burton film that was the same you know more modern prosthetics and it was it did look a bit better but it was still the same um, and this was the first one to you know they did they did think about using um, makeup and prosthetics, but they ultimately decided you know to go with um, digital, fully digital models. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you could say that the the apes and plant the apes in the film, is kind of like the next kind of like 
stage of evolution for these kind of intelligent apes. Yeah. And obviously, it'd be weird in Rise of Planet Apes you had like apes <laughs> that could stand up right and look like humans because they'd exactly. be like, well, hold on. Yeah. But at least with, you know, with it, obviously you want to go back to like the origins of like how these apes basically became intelligent yeah. and took over took Earth. Well, you're going to have these apes actually being like, you know, like normal apes. Um, exactly, yeah. I think that I would, makes them scary as well. Like they, they just it does, like yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Um, also, I was talking about Andy Serkis in terms of his mocap performance. It is incredible. Yes. Um, I mean, he was incredible in, in Golem. Yeah. Um, but I feel like in, in this film, um, especially in this film, that he has to lead a, a film with his mocap performance. Mm. Yeah. And I think he does such a good job. And showing potential as well that like the, the the trying to act this character of the Caesar make them to become make his ape mute to feel sorry for his ape and make yeah. him feel sympathy for his ape and actually making him a protagonist people enjoy. It, yeah. it's a, it it takes a lot more than what a traditional actor does. Yeah. And, and I, he has and, to do all that without speaking. Yeah. So <laughs> Obviously, when War of Planet of the Apes came out, people really wanted um, uh, Circus to get nominated for an, an Oscar. Yeah. And obviously, the Academy is very, like... Ugh. The Academy feels very... Stuck I, I feel the Academy really needs to start, like, really... Basically, start getting more to kind of the 21st century, to be honest, and a bit more kind of, like, modernise itself, because... Mocap is an important thing. Yes. Um, and I think if you don't, I think if you made a mocap section, I think that'd be good. Yeah. But not, I do feel like these mocap actors should be actors. I mean, we've had these weird starts where, like, we have these weird performances in the Oscars where people get, get, where the awards have been like 12 minutes of a film. Yeah. And it does make sense. And then obviously, like, when we had the Oscar nominations came out, like, it felt like they had Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Barbie, which I think like was a really, really big, really massive yeah. letdown. Um, so M- I kind of feel like um, Margot Robbie, isn't it? No, exactly. Barbie, I feel like so. these Oscars, yeah. the, the people who who do the nomination for these Oscars really need to like start really kind of like bringing something in to the modern day and stuff and making more modernized because they're losing uh, viewership every year because exactly. people just don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, like. People are sick of seeing old white men winning exactly. the best director yeah. and all that. Like, um, obviously, like it depends who it is. Like, it, you know, Christopher Nolan, he's not an old white man, so it's fine. Yeah, but, I, mean, I mean, I think he, obviously Oppenheimer is a, a, a great film, so that should be considered. Yeah, they yeah, they need to open you know, their eyes to to other. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, you know, they need to modernize. But or, I feel um, like. Andy Serkis yeah. should definitely be nominated for Caesar because if that was his last performance of Caesar, you've got to have it. Like, just having it be nominated, he doesn't have to win, but just yeah. having the nomination thing is like it really like develops a lot and it really definitely like kind of, um, it, yeah, exactly. It's a progression, but obviously, performances that came out that year were apparently better, but. Like I don't put mocap and normal acting like as two separate things. I put them like together because at the end of the day, you're still acting. Whether you're like a cowboy in the West or you no, know, you're Elvis Presley or you're like you know an ape in like 
you know, puts for the future. It's all yeah. same acting. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, like, because mocap forms is so new, people kind of like look down on it a bit. Yeah. Especially like traditional kind of like critics and Oscar voters and stuff like that. You know, they they really do like their very, you know, depressing kind of, you know, very depressing character like you know studies and stuff like that as well which she too is as well uh but i mean that traditional character study is a bit like you can't act in the room basically talk for like half an hour but i mean andy circus about him playing caesar talking of an hour whilst mocapping as an ape you know it's it's two yeah. separate things really um but that's uh that's my thoughts on that actually um but I mean, like you know, this this I do feel like this film gets. I think because Dawn and War are definitely superior films. Like I do, people I think Rise of Planet Apes does get, kind of get forgotten as in the trilogy. It's kind of like you know when you talk about like um, the Dark Knight trilogy, everyone talks about yeah. Batman Begins and Dark the Dark Knight, but no one really talks about Dark Knight Dark Knight Rises. It's kind of like that. Um, True. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, I understand this is probably the weakest Plan the Apes film in that trilogy. Yeah, but yeah. I feel it's it, it, like this war, could, yeah, so like Dawn and War could run. I, yeah. I, I feel, yeah, know. exactly, exactly. I mean, the thing I felt like it could have been a bit longer. I feel like we could have had more scenes with um, Caesar and kind of um, and William to kind of like have that kind of more family dynamic. Because when he gets taken away, it kind of feels a bit like, oh, like, I didn't really feel that kind of, like, heartbreak. Yeah. Um, also, um, obviously, the love interest as well. I didn't think there needed to be a love interest in this film. I didn't think it really just added anything. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it, I think it, that was an executive thing. Is you know, oh, you have to have like a love element. You know, I think I, I, in, like... I think they did it because they were like, okay, William has lost his father and he's lost his ape. Let's just have him be happy with something. Okay, <laughs> let's just get this veterinarian um, character. Okay, that's it. That's fine. Um, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah, exactly. Like, um, have you got any final thoughts of uh, this film? Um, yeah, I, I think I'll just reiterate what I just said. I basically mm. think that this is a good film, but um, there are many drawbacks and it isn't perfect. No. Um, but this walk to that um, uh, dawn and war of the Planet of the Apes um, could run. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it is good. And I think it is a very important step in motion capture technology and, and digital effects technology. Um, and as I said, one of the endings is... is a very good i wouldn't say it's like a twist it's, it's not obviously as good as the original twist you know like the statue of liberty but um it, it is a very good end into a film as well and and it fills you with that dread that like you know well we've gone all through all of that and in the end you know the apes have won you know like they, they deserve their freedom but we have we've doomed ourselves you know humanity is done it is now the planet of the apes as you said it could have been a perfect you know um uh, standalone film, but I'm glad that it, it creates sequels because we had phenomenal um, sequels uh, that we will cover uh, soon. Mm, definitely, you're right. Um, and Rupert White does a really good job. Mm, I think yeah. all the actors and their performers do a good job. Um, 
obviously the standout is definitely Andy Circus as Caesar. Yeah. This is like, you know, this is a start, like, and as the films go on, he, you know, he is really like, like, Dawn and War, such good films, but it's always Andy Circus who is just like, that makes these films. Yeah. Um, and it starts from here. Um, and I think it's a really, really good origin story. It sets out to do, it's a, it says I do what it's meant to do. It's a very good prequel, and it doesn't. And it doesn't shove. It's one of those prequels that has to risky kind of like connect everything together, you know. And the Star Wars prequels has got ha- one of the criticisms of Star Wars prequels. It has to include like answers why C three PO yeah. was created, or and yeah. or like yeah. So um, I um, oh. J- d- Keats us messaging the Mallorca trip. He's yeah. <laughs> chat and saw that. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this film. I think it's a very, very strong film. Um, obviously, there are a few drawbacks in it as well. I, could, I think it could have been longer. And I think some, I'd like to have seen a bit more of um, William and uh, Caesar's relationship. But yeah, as I said, like this, this walk, so Dawn and Walk could run. Uh, yeah, and yeah. I just can't wait to talk about the next Dawn Plan the Apes next week. That's gonna be good. Uh, oh, cool. Oh, right. so cool. <laughs> yeah. What would your what, what would you give your rating of this film? Um. Uh, like seven or ten. Yeah, it, it is good. It is good, but it, it. I'm comparing it to the other films. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not like great, but it is good. It's very, very good. But um, um I'm yeah. gonna give this a seven point five out of ten. Yeah. All right, that's uh, that's our Rise of Planet of the Apes um, uh, review done. Um, if anyone has any thoughts on this film or this uh, podcast episode, let us know. Do you agree or disagree with our ratings? What do what are your opinions on Rise of Planet of the Apes? Have you seen Rise of Planet of the Apes? If you well, if you haven't and you got this far, then still go watch it. Um, but I mean, that's kind of setting up for our review of the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy. Um, so yeah, you obviously you know um, next week we talk about um, Dawn Planet, and then the week after that, well, it's my birthday. Do my birthday's in February? I mean, <laughs> we've been doing this for five years, so mm. <laughs> we always talk about when our birthdays are. So it's um, so yeah. So the week after that, it will be kind of week off. Um, and then after that, uh, oh, by the way, everyone, I'm 27. So, um, yeah, well, I'm joining the 27 Club along with Welsh. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're getting, right old. getting old, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, and then the week after, <laughs> week, uh, the week after that, we are reviewing the Wolverine. So continuing our version nice. of the series. All right, fluffy stuff. Um, I think you just found that out from what I was told. To yeah. Um, all right, okay, no worries, guys. Uh, also, also, of course, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, email us. If you want to come on the show, um, feel free to DM us on Instagram, or you could email us, obviously, email us, holocaustgmail.com. Um, please like, share, follow, and all of you who enjoy this episode. Uh, you can follow this podcast on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, um, Radio Public is unfortunately shutting down, so we, we won't be 
show well it's shut down so our episodes won't be on there anymore so uh, but we're looking to kind of like highlight episodes and a couple more um podcast streaming sites as well so uh, watch that space and uh nice. as i mentioned the, the beginning of the episode i am reading the long book um i am really enjoying the long book so the long road yeah the long book the long road <laughs> sorry it's been, it's, it is a um, long book to be fair nah it's fine yeah. it's, it, will it kill a rat if you drop it on it no yeah um it is a long road um yeah. I'll give my so, spiel. Yeah, it? yeah, do I do yeah. that? I just can't wrap myself yeah. up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, as I've mentioned before, you know, the, the Long Road, my um, my book that I've co-authored with my friend Morgan, um, it's out now. You can get it on Amazon if you type it in. You know, um, the Long Road by Reese Jones and Morgan Rickards. Uh, alternatively, if you're in America, you can get it on the Barnes and Noble website. Uh, we're on there as well. Uh, if you want, you can look at our socials. That would be um. Rickards and Jones authors. Uh, that's on Instagram and Facebook. Or you can visit our website. That's rickardsandjones.com. Uh, we have um, monthly newsletters and, and blog posts to keep you, uh, uh, you updated. The first book is out with... Um, currently, we're going to have a, a release date. You know, it's it's a, a preliminary release date for the second book in June. So, yeah, watch uh, that space and um, go by The Long Road, uh, as I mentioned, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Um, it's a fancy adventure sort of um, book in the same vein, I guess, as you know, like The Witcher or Game of Thrones or even you know, like the high fantasy series like you know, Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time. So, yeah, give it a re- give it a read. Yeah, give it a read. Cool. <laughs> it's actually a really good book, and this has come from somebody who doesn't read a lot. So, that will make the I made it worse or not. Um, <laughs> But no, no, definitely give it a read. It's really, really good. Um, yeah, um, so I do apologize for butchering your point. Um. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, it's uh, well, people like the lot, the big sort of like fancy worlds, isn't it? And there's there's a map included. Everyone that seems to be a selling point. So yeah, there's a map as well. Oh, you gotta have, um, you gotta have, you gotta yeah. have maps. You know, I've been awesome. trekking on like. Yeah. I've been trekking with pencil, like the route. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed doing that. I used to do that with the Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, and, nice. Uh, two yeah. Towers and the Turn of the King. And then eventually, <laughs> like, I know the new books, they have, like, they separate into, like, different colours. So one was, was um, it was the Fellowship, and then they split to, I think, blue is Frodo and Sam, and then green is Merry and Pippin, and then the red one is obviously Aragorn, Legolas, mm. and Gimli. And then obviously they're all like Merry and Pippin and and um, Aragorn, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas all like coverage, like obviously yeah. in, in, in Minas Tirith for like in the third one. So yeah, um, maps, maps, cool. All right. See you guys, or see you guys later. Uh, yeah. And we'll see you on the next Hobby Coffee Cast. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Hoffy Coffee Cast. But before we end, me and Reese want to thank everyone for listening. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to like, follow, share and review. In addition to tell your friends, family and fellow nerds and coffee lovers about our content. We both enjoyed talking about these topics and with your help, we can strive to be bigger and better and bring out much more to our fans and listeners. I'm your host, Reese Bolton. And I'm your host, Reese Jones. And we'll see you on the next Hoffee Coffee Cast. Take care and goodbye. Bye.